This podcast may contain some spoilers about the film we're going to talk about and also some bad words and foul language. Sorry, Mum. Hello and welcome to an as yet untitled podcast uh, all about film from the wonderful to the, well, frankly, horrendous sometimes. My name is Ed Cunningham. I am joined by Hamish Douglas. Hello. Jim Stratton. Hello very much. <laughs> and Mr. Garen Harry. Hello. How are we all starting a podcast? Way, we need lots of those. Exc- kind of, excited. Yeah. Yeah, Don't really forget excited. to smash that like button. All of that. Well, you, the, the, uh, the energy you're bringing to this is, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we thought we'd um, uh, join the massively oversaturated world of podcasting um, to bring you this film car- podcast. Um, the way this is going to work is each week, one of us will suggest to the others a film that we think is interesting or worth talking about and at the end of the episode we'll we'll rank it and it'll go on our leaderboard which is obviously empty at the moment um hamish was the first one to suggest a film and he uh went for the 1999 film baby geniuses um directed by bob clark um written by bob clark and greg michael there's also surprisingly uh, three other people accredited as creating the story I, yeah I, I make make of that what you will if you've seen the film um just before just before i hand over to hamish uh and he can set the film up i just want to say that when like this initial idea for a podcast came about i thought yeah it might not be that serious it might get a bit silly but on like a core level there'll be moments of intellectual discussion about some really interesting films so why hamish why on god's earth for our our first episode did you choose to unleash this most <laughs> unholy of abominations upon us i think there's there's some value in seeing how bad a movie just can be um i think it's interesting to see how something like this even gets made i've got some I mean, this isn't this is not a movie with untalented people in it. Um, that, that's that's the surprising thing. I mean, uh, we've got Kathleen Turner, Christopher yep. Lloyd, Kim Cattrall, Peter McNichol. I mean, these are I mean, back in the time were were big big names. Kath- Kathleen Kathleen Turner is Academy Award nominated. She was in The Virgin Suicides, which came out that year, and she's amazing in that. Christopher Lloyd, obviously from the Adams Family, Anastasia came out. Uh, just a couple of years before that, none of their careers are doing badly. So I don't know why they chose to, to do this movie. Do you want to just tell us, kind of, give us the premise of, of what this movie is? Christ! All right. So uh, there's there's a corporation called Babyco, I think that's the name, who have discovered that babies are basically all geniuses, and they can sort of telepathically communicate with each other. Um, it doesn't really explain it a whole lot. It does is a lot of exposition, which doesn't make any sense. But the idea is that yeah, babies are actually super intelligent, and then you reach a certain age and you lose this intelligence, mm. and you kind of forget that you were ever this genius. It's never it's never really clear if the babies are geniuses or if they're literally uh, omnipotent. They seem to kind of know everything. Which is strange. They do. They do use the quite a lot. Use the phrase uh, that they know the secrets of the universe, which I have yep. to say is is kind of brushed over and very rarely explored. That 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 kind of idea. 
They also, it's worth noting, they all seem to know karate. Uh, <laughs> they're really good at fighting, and I, there's lots of scenes with them doing acrobatics, which I'm pretty sure are just tiny, tiny stunt yeah. people and not actual children. I think as, as someone that ran into the kitchen door, I think I missed that part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really know how to how else to explain the movie. I mean, it, that's basically the plot, and one of the babies, uh, the main character, Sylvester, he escapes the premises. Um, I think he's supposed to be sort of especially genius out of the genius babies, and... It's all about this evil corporation trying to get him back, basically. Um, there's, there's, there's like a, a, a twin swapping, the sort of classic twin oh, swap yeah. as well. Very nineties, very nineties. You got yeah. There's his twin, who is also a genius, but is out in the real world, and they don't know about each other. And then there's a whole swapping over situation. Um, I don't, I don't really. There's, there's nothing really of <laughs> note to talk about in the plot that's kind of it that happens i mean that that's that's the issue with this film is that i don't know really what's about and and who it's for i mean jim to be honest you're the only person i think that might actually like this film you know what controversial opinion i loved it right absolutely <laughs> loved it from um because i was looking when you uh, google it uh, quickly to know if i've got the right one on my um uh, my youtube um I saw Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a 2% or a 2 out of 10 or something like that. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a long, long day having to watch this rubbish. I mean, it's 90 minutes long as well. And being a Chelsea fan, I've seen 90 minutes worth of rubbish. But this, I was thinking, it's going to be quite rubbish. <laughs> from the moment that baby opens its mouth and starts mouthing along with some human words, I was like, I am sold. I love that it's talking. I love this. This is amazing. Um, and throughout the whole piece... There was just so many moments where I laughed. Now, these um, we all lived together. I don't know whether we said that at the start. We all lived together in um, university. And um, these boys were, were very um, good at choosing movies and sort of highbrow, sort of looking at quality movies. And I was renowned for liking the rubbish movies. Now, this is one that I loved. Um, and, yeah, like I said, like, loved Look Who's Talking. Now, there's a moment where he's walking through New York dressed in human beings clothes like adult clothes smoking a cigar um and i just uh, i was i was laughing uh, <laughs> it was, it I, was I think, amazing i think i laughed one time uh, in, in this moment and in this film and it was when the baby at one point has to slide underneath the door <laughs> and the way they do it is <laughs> is just like an obvious obvious mannequin just being pulled uh, underneath this door um there's some interesting effects going on in this. I, I will say the lip syncing is pretty good, you know, for, for putting it on babies. Like, what? It's for a night. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's all right. You thought that was I, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's awful. Very 90s. Yeah. I thought, I thought the, um, there's also, I put down a note, which is, I, I just referred to as Thunderbird's hands. There's a close-up of, of the hands and it's obviously not a baby's hands. Um, and then, but obviously the most heinous of them all is um, the baby's heads on a little person. I mean, creep, creepy as hell. I mean, Garen, I know you don't like puppets and 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 robotic things. That you must find this quite difficult. Uh, well, absolutely. And uh, uh, one of the, the the sort of scary scenes that put my behind my pillow was uh, was when uh, there's a scene halfway through with the an absolutely ginormous baby. 
uh, oh a, a, a giant robot baby with the most disgusting features. Uh, the the big eyes. Uh, I, I don't know. He either looked like a baby's face or or a withered old man. I couldn't tell which was which. Um, but baby bunting, it it was called, and it had this bizarre low voice. And I, I mean, it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. So Bob Clark, the director, he's he famously before this. He's known for making B-movie horror films. <laughs> so some of his other titles are Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, uh, Black Christmas, which I think was quite... That actually did quite well. I think that was quite famous. And Death Dream. Um, yeah, so it, you, can't, you kind of see that in this movie. There are definitely some horror moments in it. I mean, what is... Okay, can we kind of, kind of nail down what is this movie? Because is this movie for kids? Because there are some real moments in it for instance when the baby flirts with another baby that's creepy as fuck it was very uncomfortable there's also a bit where the parents are getting like into foreplay and i was wondering are we gonna see them fuck like he was like kissing her neck and it it, it creeped me out uh quite a lot um i don't remember that so yeah you obviously watched the xx version didn't you you paid the extra cut. I mean, do you have, do you guys have any answers to what, who's this for? Uh, Is this I for think, you, Jim? Um, yeah, I, well, definitely it targeted a uh, uh, a twenty five year old still trying to cling on to his youth um, and and having slapstick humour. Um, but I think also had a lot of um, sort of you know, you know what Shrek had, where you every time you watch it, you see something where you're like, that's obviously not made for kids. Or I get that now. I think if I was watching that at the age of um, seven or eight, I probably wouldn't see these moments. But, um, for instance, like the, uh, where, where he has to go into a pram with a female and swap clothes with her, um, and um, he comes out dressed as a, a female baby. But, uh, but the awful bit about that is she, she's, he asks, I need your clothes, and she says, buy me a dinner for us. Yeah, see, that's... Yeah. And then she's like, call me after. Which, call me? I mean, I, I, I was writing that down for notes in the future, but... <laughs> you know, there is something interesting about this, because like, I, I did a little bit of research afterwards, and I found out that the babies, uh, there's some weird camera trickery going on. They're actually played by normal-sized people, and the adults <laughs> are just sort of... Uh, uh, I think uh, Christopher Lloyd was played by an eight-foot-tall basketball player, like, uh, like Gandalf in... Uh, uh, no, it's really? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, wow. it's, it blows the mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's um, uh, I I just want to mention my favourite note that I wrote down throughout the whole film, which is there's a moment where um, uh, the main baby, um, like an absolute maniac, hurls an iron at at these guys' heads. There's two of them, and the second comes in, and my note was just budget Tom Hanks question mark. I searched it, and it's actually his brother, Jim Hanks. Is yeah. Oh wow, that's a yeah. stat. I I went a, I went a, I went a bit further and like was looking up Jim Hanks and it turns out so when Tom Hanks isn't available to do the voice of Woody, Jim Hanks gets called in. Yeah. <laughs> just, he does so it for like the, the video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. I love that scene as well because it's it's obviously just a rip off of uh, Home Alone. Because uh, you got uh, uh, the the baby stood at the top of the stairs. Uh, the guy who's dressed as an electrician uh, is disguised to enter the house to kidnap the baby and take him back. He's he stood at the bottom, 
and uh, the the baby's at the top with uh, with just an elaborate trap set out to, uh, to uh, and it ends up with with the uh, the electrician again hitting the balls. But what I love about that is they just use the same joke twice. They they literally just have the other guy come up and the same thing happened to him. Just, but it's weird because it, it takes a dig at Home Alone, which is a far superior movie. It says something about, what, do you think I'm stupid? This isn't a movie for kids. It says something along those lines. I will say that th- this this film did get a sequel. Uh, su- I think it's called Super Babies, with, Baby Geniuses with 2. With Angelina Jolie's dad in it. it John, John Voight? Voight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Academy Award winning John Voight. Um, going back to that scene... Um, with uh, the two uh, employees trying to catch um, Sly again. Um, and he throws an iron at them. They've got a plank between their legs, jumps on the plank and hits them in the nuts, right? But as, as four lads, we've been hitting the nuts before. But if a baby did that to me, I, I wouldn't be walking out the house crutching my nuts in a comic fashion. I'll be getting that baby. Go on, do it again. Do it again. Um, and I think that's obviously a, a flaw in the fact that I probably would have caught that little baby. <laughs> is that, that's your main that's your main issue with the movie is that you would have caught the baby I also I, I just I just want to talk because there was there's some interesting characters in this I want to know if I, I don't know what to say about this character is his name ice pick <laughs> so there's this character which is like he helps out at this I guess this kind of baby research adoption place. And his thing is like he doesn't want to work there, so he wants to get fired. The way he wants to get fired, seemingly, is that he wears different clothes. So we first see him dressed ball in pink, and then uh, he's dressed as a monk. I've got a theory that I think possibly they had they had two two unused scripts, um, and they just kind of put them together to basically make this movie. Because there's a lot of random elements like that, and I think they they do so that sometimes. Where if they're like, ah, we need to kind of fill some time, let's take this other script, and they just kind of smash them together. And then I've, I feel like that was part of a different movie, and they just kind of put them together in that way. It was the three characters, wasn't it? You had um, a big, overweight guy, and that assassin. What was his role? His race lady. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who was. <laughs> I, I, I watched that film, I, I still have no idea what the relationship between the, the overweight plumber and the family. The, because. He like, was just their handyman. He's their handyman, but he seemed to have more baby caring responsibilities than the rest of them combined. <laughs> like, I, I never once saw the two people who owned the baby uh, research hostel, whatever it's called, just uh, <laughs> just just doing any doing their job, doing looking after any kids at all. It was just left to this plumber and ice pick. <laughs> I uh, I did like also because there's there's a bit with that with that fat uh, handyman guy where all of a sudden revealed like towards the third act um, we are shown that these babies not only are they geniuses and for some reason know the secrets of the universe but they are I mean they're jedis they can communicate <laughs> like with each other across you know thousands of, of miles they can they can hypnotize people um, and it comes from absolutely nowhere yeah. I wonder, because um, all of, uh, obviously, all of the twins were separated at birth. Each one of those uh, bit part characters that you see, the blonde, the girl, um, the little boy that's got weird eyes. I wonder if they're like, well, if you found your partner, where's where's my twin? Uh, I'm going to speak to him. Um, and they never come, so... Oh, wait, were they all twins? All twins, yeah. They're all separated at birth, aren't they? 
That's my, that, my oh, interpretation. Oh, well, right. I didn't get that. That's my inter- interpretation that this whole um, baby swap, baby um, thing business, genius oh. babies, you, you, you see how one would cope in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, you know the, t- the two twins? Uh, they were actually played by a set of triplets. Mm. And uh, it was due to a contracts <laughs> issue with the, uh, the, 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 the kid who played Slice. They just had to swap him in and out. I think, well, um, I don't know whether that, that's true, but um, I've seen, um, I've been on set with uh, young kids before, um, and it's something to do with the chaperone. They can't be, fil- they can't be filmed for more than, uh, I think, four hours at a time, uh, if you're under the age of something. Mm. Uh, don't quote me on it. Um, Child labor and law. That's why each one of those kids is actually a twin. There was two actresses or actors brought to, brought to each set. And each took a turn to play even the bit part, small kids. Uh, and like Gary says, there was three of them that played Walt and, um, uh, and yeah. Sly. I, I tried to find out if those triplets had any other uh, uh, credits for any film, whether they went on. Whether they, well, that's the thing. There's only. I, w- I wondered if they maybe you had gone on to do some, you know, fantastic things, maybe in the theatre. I think, uh, but uh, no, they just did Super Babies too. No, wasn't um, wasn't uh, one of them uh, inside R two D two in the in the Phantom Menace? Uh, you know, driving around. That was an old man, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I, I I reckon they're probably they're probably doing all right with the money they made from that movie. Do you reckon this this movie is still making money? How well I've, did it do? They got, got split the three ways. I've got hey, the figures. You, you've gone. Give us the figures. So, uh, adjusting for inflation, this was made on eighteen million dollars budget, um, and ended up making thirty six point five million box office gross. So, I'm assuming a lot of that went to Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> and. And uh, Kathleen Turner and Kim Cattrall, um, yeah. but I reckon those kids would have seen a bit of that body. Christopher Lloyd's um, role is strange as well. He doesn't make any jokes. He, it's weird. He's he's like, it, and also why is he? Why I think they were trying like, necessary. oh, we got. A, they were trying to make him look like Freud because he's a psychiatrist, but he just looks more like Lenin. Yeah, so Christopher Lloyd <laughs> plays this character. Really weird. He plays this character, which is, I guess, I mean, he's part of Baby Co. Um, also, I, I, as I'm just on the on the subject, I will say that with these five people who came up the story, they came up with Baby Co, Joy World, uh, Poopy Bottoms as as some of the uh, uh, titles for for various things. I mean, I, absolutely genius. I think Doctor Kinder was another one. The the mother's name is Robin Bobbins. <laughs> Robin Bobbins. I love that. Robin Bobbins. <laughs> Poopy Bottoms was my pitch for the name of this podcast, but you guys showed that real quick. <laughs> Mine was diaper gravy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher Lloyd plays this character, which is um, uh, uh, sort of underneath Kathleen Turner. As she's like she is is the big cheese in this in this company. But yeah, as you're right, as a brilliant comedic actor, he does absolutely nothing comedic in this film whatsoever. And he just looks really bored and pissed off the whole movie, which I'm pretty sure he probably was. I think they, could, they could have easily got someone else to do it and saved themselves a few bubble too. But I suppose that's what the draw is, isn't it? I think. Mm. What sorry, Jim? Well, I think what happened was that uh, they they gave him this script. Uh, he didn't look at it one bit, and then only realised halfway through production what the story was, and then uh, and then just wanted out as soon as possible, because uh, I can't imagine any A lister reading that script and thinking. 
you know what? That's gold. But at the but at the time, these were all, these were A listers. Like exactly, Sex yeah. in the City was at its absolute peak. Kim Control's in it. Uh, like I said, Kathleen Turner, she was in Virgin Suicides, uh, Sofia Coppola movie that came she out that year. She was obviously in Friends later. That's where I recognised her from. Being, yeah, every, um, every, everyone's everyone's careers were at, sort of at their peak. It's really weird. Mm. I think it's obviously it came off the back of the success of, like Jim said, Look Who's Talking um, and these other movies. And they, the studio obviously yeah. thought we can cash in on this this thing. Yeah. Well, um, maybe it was like, um, you know, Michael Caine has that thing where he says... Uh, he gets a script through and he, if he's on the first page and the last page he'll do the fucking picture and I think that's that's uh, that's probably what it was there was a probably a, a good amount of money in it they had uh, enough lines in it and I, you know you, you, I, I, to be honest I would do it uh, any any uh, script that starts with uh, a Mission Impossible style breakout with a little kid that's only beats up loads of henchmen I mean I'm doing that film <laughs> for free <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a part of this <laughs> Get me in this picture. Uh, I, I do like it. So by the time the third act comes around, um, all of my notes are just, what is happening? What is going on? Is that a real goose? Um, there's, I don't know if you met, there was like a couple of frames. So, you know, uh, right at the end, all these uh, robots, animal robots come to life. There's also a clown and a Santa Claus, which is a robot. They're all played by is, humans, aren't they? The elves, especially. It was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you about it, Garen. That you, how did you deal with that? Because as I said, you're not very good with puppets. Was that a scary moment for you? No, I've, I've, I've got I've got a phobia of puppets, and I did. I, I watched this with Hamish, and I did have to ask him to to tell me when it finished. <laughs> I <clears throat> I did not rem- remember that bit about this movie. Um, I watched it about three years ago with my nephew. He made me watch it. So I yeah, if I'd known that was a that was going to happen. I, I wouldn't have put you through that. But it's not like the time you uh, we all went to see a stage show, uh, which was just all puppets, and you none of you told me, none of you warned me. <laughs> what was that in Edinburgh? What was it? That was the, the the Grinning Man. Do you remember that? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. I mean, the, the the my point is the ending of this film is absolutely batshit. However much batshit has gone beforehand, the ending of this film is I I, I could not follow it uh, at all. Um, it was almost a bit let downy. I found the the ending, that they, especially when they say about the, uh, the mum being a twin, and they're like, "All right, that's it then." <laughs> so where is the mum's twin? <laughs> yeah, it was. It yeah. was. There was. There was one bit that I I noticed just right at the end. So the the dad of the twins, or the the guy who's raised them at least, um, he jumps up to stop the bad lady getting into the helicopter and then she kicks him off and he falls down onto the floor and then he sort of rolls into this like air conductor kind of thing and then in the next scene once all the conflicts resolved he has a bandage on his head on the front of his head and he never hits his head at any point during the scene and it makes no sense and he yeah, that, yeah. i mean that's that's not by far that's not the worst part of this movie but it was just an yeah. inconsistency that i just I, I love i love the bit after that when uh he sort of comes around uh he's back he sort of overcomes his amnesia i think uh and during at some point from getting the injury to what looks to be a weeks later when he sat on a bench uh <laughs> miraculously healed um they've adopted the other twin <laughs> yeah yeah just, just when did the papers go through? <laughs> as as we're as we're on the ending, 
just briefly, uh, what the hell? What the hell was the end song and emotional compilation of things we've already seen? So at the end of the film, uh, the film you think it's ended, but rather than actually ending like a film would do, they go through a compilation of shots that you've seen before with some weird emotional music on top. What was going on there? They play the whole song as well. They play the entire song. <laughs> it's really weird and like nostalgic, and it's it's the at that point the film seems like it's really proud of itself. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, the film like takes a minute to smell its own farts and be like, we've made a we've made a real classic here. Um, but there's a bit just before that where like the twins are saying one of them's it's called crossing over in the movie when the kid becomes an adult and they kind of lose their superpowers. And then one of the kids is losing his superpowers. And it's like, it's meant to be this emotional, like peak of the movie where they're saying goodbye to each other. But there's this weird jaunty music in the background. It's like really <laughs> up tempo. <laughs> it, it makes, yeah, zero sense. And I've was, there's a, I've got a note written here. Something. Yeah, here it is. It says the guy who's doing the editing, does he think this is a good movie? <laughs> well, that, I think that that is that is the question. I think you always have with films that are bad, you know, because no one no one sets out to make a bad movie. So, what, at, at what point do you reckon that this the director, the writers, the the people in it? At what point do they realise that what they're making is a as a heaping pile of stinking shit? I, I think they realise once they run out of coke. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that they were they were aware that they were making a silly film. I think, and that was even apparent in the first um, section where you show these little kids, and one of them's playing Mozart, one of them's doing Sanskrit of some sort, um, <laughs> and they said, "Look how clever these kids are." Obviously, it's absolutely bullshit. For the, like, so I think you you get the gist of what the film's going to be like in that second scene. And I, so I think that they they know they're not making a uh, an Oscar winning uh, piece. They they're making something that's going to be a cult classic in the Stratton household, at least. Well, the, the issue with it, and why I say it's a shit film, is because, of course, there's fun films. I mean, you've mentioned Home Alone, which is a, a really fun kids film. But the, the tone of this is is so all over the place that it doesn't seem like they were making a silly film because there, there's some really, like, kind of, as I said, weird sexual bits in it. I think they try and get a little bit uh, dark, as say, with the, the crossing over, but, uh, you know, that doesn't really work. It's it's a car crash, really. There's there's loads of weird. Uh, I took I took note of all the the nineties reference they references they made within the movie, and it's just it's it keeps referencing really popular movies from that era that are much better. So it's like things like uh, there's a Dumb and Dumber reference. We got uh, Asta La Vista uh, reference Saturday Terminator night Saturday Night. Well, that, that's that's not a nineties movie, but like. Yeah, there's just yeah, loads Jim, of references. Jesus Christ, shut the sorry. fuck up. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a movie podcast, sorry. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's, just, there's, there's all these references to movies that have just come out, or at least within like five years of that movie, and it's almost like they're trying to capitalise on the success of yeah. these other movies. Without it's always interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, movies do this off, often, where they, they reference other ones, and where they're not very good, as in uh, the 99 film Baby Geniuses, it just makes you think, I'd much prefer to be watching that movie. Yeah. Absolutely, it's just the the tropes in the script as well. There's so many just standard sort of tropes all the way through it. Like, um, I love this bit at the start when they're talking about the funding 
of 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 the baby co corporation, the evil corporation, um, where uh, they say it costs them two hundred and fifty million dollars a year just to run the secret labs underneath the building. I I just where is that money going? Two hundred and fifty million. <laughs> we see a helicopter and a limo. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like they, they've they've got the babies have got this their own like little kind of uh, fake playground with like a fake tree and like fake little huts. I thought it looked actually quite nice. I'd like to live there. Yeah, but the, 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 there's one bit as well where they say uh, once the babies escaped and they round up all the cleaning crew, the security guards, and just anyone they can find. And, and they, they give a big lecture at them about how we pay you 10 times the average salary and you let this happen 10 times. That is lucrative. That is amazing. That's where There's... the money's going. The money is all going on staffing like this. It's <laughs> absolutely bizarre. I mean, there's lots of the fis- fiscal kind of uh, money things going on. The, the baby, it, it, like they they sort they sort out the the finances at some point, and this guy kind of can understand them. And he's like, "Oh no, it wasn't my idea. It was the little babies." There's there's a bit in this movie which just, it always seems to happen in American films, where the the main bad lady, Doctor Kinder, uh, she's walking through the the protagonist's house, and she makes a a reference. She says. Um, uh, this your I like your house. It's very homey, and the implication is that she's looking down on their house. And it always happens in American movies where they'll say something like, "Oh, I've got a shitty apartment or a shitty house," and then they look down. And it's like this house is fucking amazing. This is a yeah. huge, like this is a mansion. No <laughs> one else lives in this kind of place. And I don't understand why that's always a theme within a, a, a thing within American movies. Did you see? I can't remember the uh, the name of the director, but it was like it went viral about this director doing uh, auditions over zoom and he hadn't muted his mic and he insulted this actor's oh, yeah, uh, yeah. apartment and i was looking at a video and i was like you know it's not that bad he's got a flat screen tv in the back that's more than i've got like it looks all right i thought he handled that very well the actor he was sort of like well give me a job and i'll get out of this place um, <laughs> it went really well. yeah. uh, sorry just quickly going back to garen's because i've uh, done some research um he said 10 times the uh, average salary. The average salary was £40,000. These guys are on nearly half a million a year. <laughs> 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 they'll be able to keep it on. <laughs> half a million? So uh, wait, where's 40, that 250? So where's that 250? Yeah, that's that's why it costs 250 million. Staffing alone. The actual, yeah, the actual bunker costs nothing. It was uh, all these second rates. It's, it's wages. Money. It's always wages are the most expensive thing. I love as well when when this they they're giving them this lecture, telling them that we we pay you ten times the average salary, and then they send them out to go and find the baby. They said, "I want you to bring the baby back." This is the cleaning staff. Yeah, these are the guys that set up a padlock at the start. It's exactly. so easy to yeah. get out. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty million. Their high tech security is a drilled on padlock. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like this film. It, it it could have actually been quite interesting because it's actually dealing with like a premise which is a huge moral dilemma in in ch- child psychology of like can you separate uh, uh, children into uh, various living situations and how will they develop is it is it nature or nurture like it, it's it's a huge thing and it's it's stuff stuff that's been explored but you can't do it you can't do it so the, the, I feel like the premise is actually quite intellectual but it, it has. 
Oh, yeah, I'm, well, no, I'm with Ed. I'm with Ed. I think it's. I think it's a really great idea. Far too much credit. <laughs> I would say Jim's what... agreeing with you, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, yeah, that's obviously a signifier that I'm in the wrong. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's um, like uh, like Eddie was saying with nature and nurture. If if they did that in real life and both sides of these twins were uh, su- suitably um, looked after, it'd be really interesting to see how they'd end up. Um, you, you hear of people going, uh, twins being separated at birth, one going to Russia, one going to New Zealand and stuff like that, and seeing how different their lives would be, whether they still keep the same quirks they might have. And uh, I think it'd be really interesting, but obviously the concept of it was very good. Um, but I just don't think it was very executed to your snobby snat standards. <laughs> <laughs> I um, there's just going back to weird points in the movie, weird plot points. There's a bit. So the dad in the movie, he he starts to sort of understand the babies because he kind of is getting t- in touch with it, his, his inner child, and he starts talking to his wife and the other people about how he can understand these kids, and they kind of. Put, they kind of like laugh it off like ah yeah you're just imagining things but it kind of keeps going and eventually they just start believing that you can hear it and there's no challenge towards that this it doesn't make sense you would this guy you'd seek like immediate psychiatric think... help these and these are psychiatrists as well <laughs> and this guy this guy saying i can hear my baby talking you'd be like fuck me he you, needs you to gotta wonder how much time you've got to spend around different kids to be able to speak fluent baby language <laughs> major yeah. red flag for the dad there <laughs> yeah there was also another bit where I, me and garen aren't sure if this actually happened but we're pretty sure one of the babies calls the bad the main baddie dr kinder calls her a cunt me and Garen turned to each other and were like, did he just. It, it was mixed in with the baby talk. It, like, but it was. I there. swear, yeah. To, yeah. Be, to be fair, there, there, is, there is a point where uh, the I think one of the babies calls, like, uh, uh, I can't remember, another character a jerk. So, you know, the, 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 there's some fruity fruity language going on. It's a, oh, it's, a, it's a big gap between jerk and cunt. <laughs> Oh, right. I guess <laughs> that's the name for the podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jerk and cunt yeah. um, <laughs> I, would, I would like to bring up a point uh, I was trying to slot in naturally but it never came up the Saturday Night Fever scene right where this baby's dancing um, I thought very funny um, but it's like, obviously it's done by a dance double because uh, they didn't actually get that uh, little kid to do Saturday Night Fever flawlessly and the uh, dance double is called Josh Ryan Evans Right, sounds a bit Welsh, but it isn't. And he actually was in uh, The Grinch, uh, and he plays the baby Grinch. Um, and he, oh. he's, he's a little he's a little person, dead now, um, but was in uh, Grinch. And, um, yeah, the little Grinch that, uh, when they talk about why he starts hating Christmas. Um, yeah. it was actually... I, I remember that. So th- this this Christmas has gone, it's the first time I watched the, the Jim Carrey Grinch film. Mm. And I, I, I realised that, I thought it was really funny, but the, the, the most horrific point of the film was the baby grinch it looked horrendous so this I, i'm, I'm going to say this this guy's got a great track red, record of uh, uh, appearances in films in my opinion but um, yeah um I, I obviously felt very sorry for him in, in, in both films but it did make me want to get the old john travolta out and start dancing well that's that's one of the points as i was, I was talking about earlier with the the uh, the baby's heads on top of a little person it happens also i'm trying to again the lot the ending of this film 
the end climactic scene where you know the babies are chasing everyone. I I can't really <clears> explain <throat> what was going on because I, I I don't really know. But there's some points where like they're zip zip wiring in, and I was trying to think: are those mannequins? Is are those little people? Because it certainly wasn't it, it wasn't babies. Um, there's also in, in terms of if we're talking about effects, one of my favourite favourite moments. Okay, this I laughed twice. One with the baby sliding. This is the only other time I laughed in this film. Uh, the baby escapes. It, it, it uh, uh, goes onto the streets and it comes across a dog. The dog has VO on it. It's not like a dog. It's it's obviously an actual person barking <laughs> like a dog. I don't know if you, any of you noticed that. I I I, I was suddenly into hysterics. Anyone else see that? No, I didn't. What, what was it? What? It, <clears throat> wait. So wait. It was someone doing dog sound effects. It wasn't an actual dog. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was so clear. It was so clear that it was just a guy. In a sound booth, it was just well, like, yeah. A, li- just a little bark. bit of trivia for you, Ed. Uh, all the babies are actually voiced by dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's a complete switcheroo. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, uh, the, the, the guys actually voiced the babies. I stayed there for the credits just to see if any names popped out of any black, uh, any, any of the crew. And they are right down the bottom there. They literally talk about a uh, guy that brushes shoes. Duh, 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 duh. And they go, oh, yeah, who, who voiced the kids for these guys? Uh, they've absolutely forgotten. Guys. Well, the um, the the one of the ones that I did look up the voices. There's um, uh, obviously that all the kids were uh, had voiceovers, and 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 there's one that did um, uh, like Chicken Little, and uh, was in Matilda and stuff like that. Um, so the, the actual, although the babies didn't go on to great fame and fortune, the the people that voiced them, uh, you know, they 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 didn't do too badly off this. As 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 Hamish said at the top of this, amazingly. Everyone managed to come out of this film completely unscathed. Uh, they all went on to have a fairly alright careers, and I just think that's mad because this film is terrible. If if we can just all admit that, it is. It is one Jim. of the worst films I've ever seen. Dagger in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't the uh, didn't the lead baby grow up to be uh, Justin Bieber? Have I got that right, <laughs> or is that? No. I think you're right. I think. I, I, <laughs> I think I think you are correct. Absolutely, I think, I think the dates work out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's. I I'm just looking through my notes. There's a, there's another point I want to talk to you guys about. It's just okay. I I, I keep on saying I didn't laugh at this film. This is another time I laughed, but probably for the See, wrong reason. I'm, I'm converting you, Ed. I'm converting you. <laughs> the absolutely awful, terrible nine one one operator that she speaks to, and who just like there's a point where the the, the, the baby's gone away or something like that, and then they they call the cops. And they say that their ba- their baby's been kidnapped, and the 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 nine one one operator just doesn't believe them at all. I love that. I love that. I've got that on my notes too. Just the fact that he was like, "Yeah, help nine one one. My my baby's been kidnapped," and the woman on the other end is just like, "Oh, oh, really? Yeah, heard that one before." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the uh, the way they get around it is that the the what's her name Kim Cattrall, uh character Robin she calls back and she just. Um, Reports a bomb scare instead. In a kids film, just 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 put in a bomb scare. I'm I'm pretty sure that's a felony over there. I'm pretty pretty sure that would get you some time calling in fake bomb scares. (laughs) She's not getting away with that. Yeah, Uh, there's also a point where I thought Kathleen Turner, the main sort of villain in 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 this film, um, she's she's holding uh, the other twin uh, like. A hostage, almost at ransom, 
and she's and she's I can't remember what she says. She says something like on the lines of you know, be careful because you, you know what might happen. And I thought, is she, is she going to kill him? Is is this a is this film going to kill a toddler on on screen? I don't know if you know, you know it's that. Yeah, I, I like how you jump into conclusions all the time. When you saw the parents, you're like, are they gonna fuck? <laughs> you're like, oh, is Kathleen Turner gonna kill these people? You've just gotta go with the flow, Ed. You've got, you've got to, you know. I just like to be one step ahead. So, that's... so Ed, I've got I've got a note written here that I, I wanna I wanna challenge you with. I've just written, Ed, can you name five of the characters' names? <laughs> Ed is notoriously bad at remembering his names, by the way. Yeah, this is off the back of the fact that, as, as Jim said, we're at university together, and I cannot remember anybody that we were on u- the university course with. Okay, so, Dr. Kinder, because I remember thinking, what a terrible name. Um, also, is she German? Is she meant to be German? Because she kind of, she starts off doing a, she starts off doing a German accent, and then it just stops. Then she just goes to American. Um, Did anyone notice that? Uh, no, not at all. Oh, she's American, but the, the name certainly is German, isn't it, for kid? Yeah, but, um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Kathleen Turner has a very distinctive voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Um, uh, what are the uh, Robin? Robin oh, uh, uh, Sly and Wits. They were the two little babies. Okay. Um, and Christopher Lloyd was Heap. That's five, isn't it? Heap. That's four. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, you say his uh, name's Heap. Is his name Heap? Heap. Heap. His name was Heap. Okay. Look, right. Hamish, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Like I wrote down, like you talk. Uh, the... you, you did talk about one of them earlier. You, you did use someone else's name earlier. Yeah, the um, your yeah. weird brother or um, the helper. Yeah, yeah, the teenage kid. Hmm. He's. I so, think he's. I think he's like their ward. Yeah. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> something. I don't really know what it is. I do have a note in here that says, uh, "What was it? There is no way that." That actor didn't have a tough time at school after that movie. <laughs> well, like, I, ice pick. Yeah, like... absolutely. Yeah, um, there, there's just a moment as as we're talking about Doctor Kinder. There was like a, a kind of mo, I guess a motif in this film which was never really answered. Where uh, Kim Cattrall's ca- character, Robin, remember that one? Um, she gets hives whenever uh, Kathleen Turner's around. Oh yeah. The, she, she's like it starts off where they're together and she starts scratching and then it happens one other time and she gets hives i mean may, maybe it was uh interesting directorial uh, uh uh decision to do that but i'm trying to think what the actual fucking point was that of, of that whole thing was again i think you're giving them far too <laughs> far too much credit to think there was any planning in this movie i think i do want to say also hamish i'm actually quite angry with you because <laughs> Again, at the top of this, I said, like, you know, we're going to talk about some quite interesting films. And the first <laughs> film you pick is an absolute horrendous, horrendous... I'm not co- complaining. It's been, <laughs> this movie's been on my mind for about three years. My nephew made me watch it with him. And ever since then, I've, I've kind of wanted to revisit it, but haven't ever had a reason to. Just quickly, how old is your nephew? Did he do it telepathically? <laughs> <laughs> uh... I, d- I don't know. I, he he loved this movie. I don't know how he came across it, um, but maybe yeah, maybe that answers the uh, the question earlier about who this is for. Maybe, maybe it's just uni- it's something that's over the age of two. We we just won't get like we we passed over. It's not for us. <laughs> we've, well, we've crossed over. Yeah, for my nephew as well. English is a second language for him, so maybe it's the kind of movie that's that's good if uh, if, <laughs> if you English isn't your first. Yeah. If English isn't your first language, 
I mean, it, it is quite a tricky thing, isn't it, I think, to uh, to come up with a movie, you know, directed at kids, you know, however much shit we're giving this movie, because you've got you've to play a balance, right, of, of a movie that kids are going to love, but also parents are going to be okay uh, watching. Obviously, this movie completely misses the mark, but, you know, the... the I think the attempt maybe uh, of somewhere maybe, but there is a formula for these kind of movies. I mean, they would have had access to good writers and good producers, and I really feel like the whole writing stage was just skipped. And I think what happened was some producers got together and said, "Well, we we know how successful Look Who's Talking was, and let's just we can do this. We don't need to hire any writers." And they put this thing together out of probably different scripts that they had. Um, to make this, and it just failed really I think badly. If um, and I'm interested to see what you guys think of that. If if they had world class writers and well, and, and they got it right, could the premise of the idea having talking kids, one gets lost, sort of the exact same story, could it work if it was written a bit better? Do you think? I think anything can work if it's written well. Yeah, I. You can you can have the most outlandish outlandish plots in the world as long as it's kind of written well and it's believable. I think sure. Garen, Garen, making a face right now. I want to I want to uh, hear Garen's opinion. I'm just this. thinking. I was just thinking if you had some sort of other director's sort of take on this, what you would end up with. Uh, like this is this is 90s. This is peak sort of Spielberg time. Can you imagine Spielberg making this film? It's clear that like throughout it, there are just some really really odd writing choices, directorial choices, uh, is that any sane person would avoid. Like there is there is so much in this film that should have been left on the cutting room floor. Okay, but imagine imagine this movie if it was like a Pixar animated movie. That would probably work. Oh, isn't that, the, isn't that basically Boss Baby? Isn't that like the whole point yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a good point. I will re- I will re- remind you that there were five people working on the story of this film. Um, uh, I, I will I'll say their names. I'll try to say their names just because I think they should be held accountable for this. Um, <laughs> like a war uh, criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Paul and uh, Fran. Oh God, I can't read my handwriting. Francisca and Robert M- Matos. Uh, so I don't know whatever if they went on to do anything. Uh, of any of any worth but i think i think i agree with hamish i think any premise even how ridiculous farfetch and and pixels is a good example because some of their uh films are completely out of this world like you know i mean if you look at their last one they brought out soul that's pretty mad and uh like ratatouille that's also kind of ridiculous uh setup but really good writing uh really really funny and and really emotional Oh, go on, Jim. What do you want to say? Uh, I was just saying, sorry, for anyone that hasn't seen uh, Ed in the Flesh, uh, he looks exactly like, uh, is it Linguini uh, from Ratatouille, uh, the uh, the main chef? So uh, when he speaks, just have that character in mind uh, and then you'll uh, roughly have the whole picture. Yeah. And, and you know what? You, you Jim, look like uh, the little chef Remy. Oh, well, actually, I think that's more Hamish, to be fair. <laughs> Hamish looks, looks more like him. So uh, I live in Eddie's hat. I'll take uh, I'll take Dash from The Incredibles if, uh, if, you, if you throw some out there. I that 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 is that is a good example of uh, of of what you do look like. <laughs> I'm keeping very very quiet on this section. Yeah, I, I can't think of one for Garen. He's Garen's the sloth from Ice Age. Oh yeah, 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 yeah there it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, oh, I, I just I've just glanced over my notes again. I just want to. Uh, I think this is a note referencing the the tone of the film. Uh, that at one point they fat shame a baby. Oh yes, um, I, I caught that. There's yeah. a there's a Weight Watchers comment, and it's a fucking baby. <laughs> Can you imagine being the parents of that baby and being like, "Yeah, that's cool. Make as many fat jokes about my kid as you want." Mm. So if the bills are coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I was a bit of oh. trauma. I can buy myself a new car. Fine. I've got, oh, I've got a note that might cause a little bit of trauma. Um, in a, 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 It's in the first quarter of the film. Um, a hobo steals uh, Sylvester when he comes when he uh, first escapes into the city uh, and holds him for ransom. And that's how he first gets into the um, his clothes with a cigar <laughs> and everything like that. He goes, oh, I'm going to keep you because someone wants you. Um, I thought that is crazy. <laughs> Obviously, I loved it, but <laughs> it never happened to me when I was a kid. Walking around you know what GTRs. this movie needs? This movie needs to demonise the homeless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the 90s, I, yeah, it's just, any, anything goes in the 90s, I think. Also, I, I will say, I think the 90s is probably the best decade for film, and it's a shame that this uh, this comes under well, that bracket just about. There's a thing in this movie, I was watching it, and like it doesn't really present the kids as good guys they're kind of evil and psychopathic and horrible and they like that yeah they, they get their kicks from just like fucking with people they're not good by any stretch i don't really they, they, i don't know i don't know what this movie's trying to say about kids <laughs> okay well let's let's as we're kind of heading towards the end what do we think is the overall message of this movie if we were to take any don't write on coke <laughs> well, there was there was there there was this weird sort of uh, mantra going through when they were trying to get the adult to connect with uh, his son and try and understand what he's talking about, and it was like find your inner child. So I'm, find my inner child. Like I wasn't. Is, I, is I don't think I was ever a two-year-old genius running around doing karate kicks in someone's face. Like. Uh, what what does that mean? <laughs> I think um, they wanted to show that um, all of the babies from an early age have sort of like a genius that's never sort of recaptured. And I remember that next time I'm in KFC and see a, um, a little baby eating its own shit. There's <laughs> 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 obviously some genius behind it. Obviously, you've seen yeah. a, you've seen a bee baby eat its own shit. Well, in KFC. yeah, it's, uh, it's Swindon. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> What goes on in Swindon KFC? <laughs> that baby was me. <laughs> Deal with it. Hamish, have you got any ideas of, of what this film is is trying to say to its audience at all? I think it's it seems to be a kind of uh, like a love letter to kind of the innocence of kids, but it totally misses the mark. I don't really know. No, I don't have an answer. I think genuinely... It was written by producers who sort of maybe had kids, maybe didn't have kids, but were trying to tap into that kind of that nostalgia about childhoods, and basically they they don't have any souls. <laughs> so, well, well, to, I guess to to open it out to more kind of I guess a. Uh, as I wanted at the beginning of this thing, a, a slightly more intellectual conversation of of does does a film need to have a point to be made or can a film just be made i think pers- personally i like to uh, have gone on a journey uh, when watching something and, and feel like when i'm out of it or maybe i think differently on this or 
uh, that's like that. If if I come in and feel the same way as I did, or if I leave and I, and I, and I come back the same way that I started in, then for me, I haven't got much from the film. So. Mm, I don't think a film needs to have a point. As long as you feel something, I think that's all it needs. But is that not a, uh, is that not a point? Feeling something? Depends what you mean by. I mean, name, I think you name, have to have an name, a that, name a film that doesn't have a point on the spot. Um, I watched Manchester by the Sea recently. Doesn't doesn't really have any kind of resolutions to it. It's just uh, an exploration. It's geographically of... incorrect, but yeah. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's Manchester and I believe Boston in the US. Um, but yeah, that's okay, an example. Good, good, good way to kill a joke there, Hamish. Garen, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the sound effects for today. <laughs> Well, well, it depends on the, the actual point of this film, and I still believe that the point of this film was not to add anything artistically to the world. I think the the point of this film was purely to launder money, uh, some sort of tax <laughs> dodge or something. Uh, they they wanted bums on seats just to so they can put in their dodgy savings in with this uh, in with the revenue. Honestly, there, there is something really really off about the sort of a studio gave this film a budget to make it a studio read this and think this is what we need but it doubled its money it did it did make money it doubled its money i don't think it didn't make a huge amount but it made it was made on 18 million it made 36 Mm. it did it did make some people some money if if this film came out now in in 2021 would people go and see it in in the numbers that you're talking about? Hitch? No, audiences are smarter these days. I think I, I disagree. If Cats only came out last year, come on. Yeah, the Cats film came out. People love that. Um, but the but, but the, col- shit come out. the culture the culture of comedy. Like I think in terms of comedy, we tend to demand a little bit more from from going to see movies. I think um, than they used to. I, I agree with you slightly, H. Um, but I think looking back at old comedy and what worked well in the 90s and, and 80s, um, it's so much more clever than the shit that's going on today. Um, you know, today, fart humour, really obscene, sort of uh, shagging, like full frontal nudity and stuff like that is, is what's in the comedies. Could you imagine back in the, the two Ronnies days, if so, I'm just going to, why I am just going to get rogered. Yeah, um, it's not, <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. So I think that audiences back then were smarter. Um, I'd, I'd like to say for, for for the people without the benefit of television, uh, uh, Jim just did his best Ronnie Corbett impression to the camera there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm glad I'm glad you knew what it was. It's obviously a good one. <laughs> um, you did go on your knees, Jim. Well, I don't I don't think that uh, I don't think that audiences are more intelligent these days. I think maybe our social and moral perceptions have shifted where this film would, would be considered not okay uh, to have in cinemas in this day. I mean... But I think it was it, considered... I think it was pretty much considered not okay for cinemas when it was made, but... Yeah. You look like you haven't had another fact for me there, Hamish. Or... Well, I just say it was, it was critically banned. Um, but it... People will will spend money to see stars in movies. You know, if you have Christopher Lloyd and Kathleen Turner and Kim Cattrall in a movie, you're going to go see it. Well, mm. a- enough people are going to go see it that it, that movie is probably going to break even with the right marketing as well. Um, 
but I think in terms mm. of the actual content content of the movies, content tends to be of a higher caliber these days for for cinema releases. Interesting. Uh, I, I guess I guess these days is. I mean, there's such an abundance of film with all the new streaming services. You know, back in 1999, it was just the, you know, kind of one medium of going to the cinema. There is a lot more quality going going around at the moment. Um, so so perhaps, perhaps you're correct. Um, so, guys, uh, well, another reason why I'm really angry with Hamish uh, for making this film the, the first one that we do it's because if 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 this if this podcast ever gets any uh, you know recognition or, or, or keeps going in the in the history books there will be a point where the number one spot was held by baby geniuses and uh, uh, I will Damn hold you right <laughs> personally responsible so we're, we're gonna we're gonna mark this film out of out of a hundred uh, I'm gonna go around each view. And you give me your score, and then we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps compromise on it. Let's let's start with you, Garen. What what are you going to give this film out of a hundred? Oh well, no. Uh, the thing about this is, even though it is a terrible, terrible, terrible film, I did laugh a few times. It did get me on a few jokes. So I don't want to I don't want to put it too badly, because. I have a feeling we're going to watch some terrible films with this podcast. <laughs> so I'm 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 in the region. I'm going to say it was a strong thirty-one. Thirty-one. Okay, Jim, let's go to you. Well, this shows you how uh, different we are in uh, reviewing systems. Um, I am going to give it more than fifty. Okay, more than fifty because Jesus I feel like I. Enjoyed it, right? I, I, <laughs> I went from start to finish. I was engrossed. So I'm going to give it a strong fifty-five. Deal with that. It's multiple of five. Fifty-five out of hundred, please. Fuck you, I, man. <laughs> all right, let's let's go with Hamish then. What do you think? Um, I can't. I can't give it anything. Uh, I think more than. I'll give it eight. Eight. I reckon you laughed more than eight times. I laughed at the bit where the, the baby's dancing, but... So is that not worth more than an eight? No, because on top, on, t- on top of on, like on top of how inappropriate and awful some of the parts are, there's, there's also huge swathes of the movie that are just really boring and dull and nothing happens. It's you're, you're sort of you're simultaneously bored and disgusted and also yeah, it's it's yeah. Eight. That's a generous eight. eight. That's a generous eight. Well, I'll i let you know that when I when I first watched the trailer for this film before before I watched it when Hamish first said I was I was willing to give this this movie a minor score. However, from th- the fact that I did laugh a couple of times, I don't think I can do that. And maybe I laugh for the wrong reasons, but you know, uh, I I'm gonna give it. I have a hundred. Jesus Christ. I'm going to give it a five. Oh, so that's the worst oh, that score. Is harsh. You, you laughed more than uh, than Hamish did. Yeah, yeah, but I, 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 as I think, as I've shown throughout this episode, I, I, I like to hold movies to a certain standard, and I think it's not that hard to make a good movie. Um, and uh, I think this one failed massively. 
I think I think if you're talking about, we got to figure out what is a hundred. A hundred for me would be Godfather one. So if you're giving oh, this, oh, if you're giving well, this fifty one, I, I don't know. So you you just mentioned uh, parts of this film were boring, and then put Godfather one <laughs> as being <laughs> um, equal. It's one of the best films of all time, undoubtedly. But I wouldn't say that you could have the. Uh, it was enthralling from start to finish line with Godfather 1. This is the thing. I rated it as 31. I can easily think of 30 films that are worse than this one. Like they, exactly. they, It made me laugh on bits. It's, it's an, like an early 90s, a late 90s terrible, terrible film. Like There are worse ones out there. To, like I, I don't know if I could think of 30 movies worse than this. I think, I think it's like an, an exam. No one's ever going to get 100 out of 100 you know a good film is going to about be about you know the 70 80 mark right um and i i for me this film gets an absolute you i'm I, I cannot give it a grade at all um but given 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 the scores that you guys have given how we why don't we say an uh, uh, an even 20 if we add them together i have that divide that by four <laughs> well, oh shit are you working no, out the do, average? Let's do it mathematically. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Wait, Ed, Ed, are you are you sorting it out by the average? No, I, absolutely not. I'm. I don't look. We all went to fucking do drama at university for a reason. I don't. I don't. You know, do maths. So I'm. Well, going I think. On... I think there should. I think we should work it out by the average. So. Um, all right. He's got a calculator. I've so got we've got thirty. I've got, I've got one here. So um, thirty-one. Yeah. 31, 55, 8, and 5. This is a great uh, podcast, by 20, the way, guys. We're going to give it 25, round it up to 25. Uh, is, is that what you've got, Hamish? Uh, to, to be precise, it's 24. 24.75, yeah. Um, you know what? We're, you know what? You know what? This podcast is going to be? It's going to be fucking precise if nothing, nothing like yeah, that. Let's this, go, this, let's... this film gets a 24.75. I'm loving this math section. <laughs> <laughs> it's, as I say, great Always podcast. Get the calculators right out. It's time for the points. <laughs> so, uh, uh, steaming into the lead of our leaderboard, baby geniuses with a score of twenty-four point seven five. Unbelievable. I think it wasn't for me. That would be in big trouble. That film. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. They okay, say uh, this movie is as is a quarter as good as the best possible movie ever made. Bingo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think it's time to uh, for for our next film that we're going to watch, which is it's going to be Garen's choice. As I said, each week one of us will suggest a film to the others, and Garen's next. We don't know what it's going to be, so Garen, why don't you reveal what the film we're going to watch this week? Uh, so uh, I had a lot of thinking with this one, and uh, I've, I've I've decided to step away from what Hamish was going for. And uh, have something which we could probably watch without trying to pull our eyes out of the sockets. And this is a film that you guys probably all watched before, maybe when we were younger. I'm just wondering what now today we would think of this film. And I've gone with uh, Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) I knew Jim would love it. That's on their way to a higher than 55, that's for certain. Can I just ask, is is this is this podcast a big, you know, prank on me? And you just you just want me to watch the most horrific nineties movies? 
Well, one is your I, turn, Ed. You can pick a pick a film you like. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pick a fucking good one as well. Okay, okay. No, the, the film that we're going to be watching this week is Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion. I think I, I think I, you guys are paying me like um, like they are in the uh, in the film. So you've got four times the salary. You want to keep me happy, so you put my two favourite films out first. It's great. <laughs> Which Brilliant. Is my okay, I, great. I, I for one uh, cannot wait. Thank you if you got this far listening to whatever this podcast was as it, it doesn't have a name yet uh, uh, maybe it has a name any, any ideas guys uh, after that okay brilliant Th- thanks Jim for the confidence <laughs> um, uh, so I guess I guess rate and subscribe tell your friends about this um, <laughs> thank you for listening and that's the end of our first ridiculous film podcast thank you very much thank you guys Cheers. thank you everyone see you soon see you soon